Now, well, we have now over 100 followers. So, I mean, this is the first time we've broken 100. Because, like, with Crowdfire, it also gets rid of the bots, you know? Mm-hmm. Because for a long time, most of our followers were bots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so, like, I finally got rid of them. But but it's nice no to, Don't like, disrespect actually... the bots. They're people, too. No, they're not people. That's oh, literally sorry, what they're not. Sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah. Welcome to Words for Dinner, where we double dip the chip always. And this is a special episode of Words for Dinner, After Dark, where we record a podcast late at night Mm. because we both have way too busy lives. (laughs) I'm Mike. (laughs) I'm Max. Welcome to this After Dark version of Words for Dinner. Uh, Appropriately enough, Michael. Mm-hmm. Since Halloween is approaching, yes, um, we're going to talk about a uh, grim and shadowy word. Oh, a word which maybe scares the youth among us. Wait, wait, I'm going to guess the word. Paris Hilton. No, that's not no. A, that's wow, a, that's pretty terrifying. That's not a word. That's a I was going to say commitment. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that was the one I was going to go with. I was going to be like, because that sounds terrifying. Hey oh. Anyway, sorry. Uh, what is, is the word? It's terrifying. You're right. We have. <clears throat> um, actually, the word is uh, decadent. Or decadence, perhaps. Nice. Maybe we'll look at both decadent and yeah, decadence. Yeah, I think both. I think this can be an episode in which we look at both words. Yeah, yeah, they're related. So, decadent, folks. Well, why would we choose this? I don't know. I was, was thinking, saying? well, the short answer is a friend of mine suggested we do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, Pat... to give him a shout-out? Yeah, my buddy Pat suggested it, and I was like, oh, man, that's a good idea. So, anyway, like, that's first first one. Okay. The second Thanks, reason, Pat. though, is also, like, I mean, you know... There are elements of decadence mm-hmm. in our society, in our lives, perhaps more so now than before. Mm-hmm. In the past, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, Brangel- Brangelina, Brangelina, uh, isn't it Brangelexit? Brangel. <laughs> no, I think that's the word, man. That's what I was. Since <laughs> I, I saw it. I think I saw it on Twitter the other day. I think it's Brangelexit. Which is the Brangelina exit. It's like mm. Brexit. Yeah. Brexit. Yeah. But uh, it's about their divorce. Which is kind of weird. I mean, I don't really care that other people are getting divorced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but this yeah. is the thing, man. This is this is the thing. Nobody should care unless they're friends with them. It makes sense. Though. I don't want to care. I don't really care. But then every time I see like a People magazine in the line at, at like ShopRite, yeah. I feel interested. And it makes me feel bad. Like in a weird way. Like not, I don't know. It makes me feel like sad that I care, sad that that's happening to those people who I don't know. And then it's like, and then I feel weird about the whole thing. Anyway, this is something that uh, maybe is an example of something we might call decadence. Mm. Decadence tends to be a term that refers to a society that's in its throes of sort of death, decay, falling apart. Right. I think think that's something I'm going to talk about, too, because I've definitely... Had a different. I feel like the connotation is different sometimes mm. now. Yeah, you know, like a common conversation that we have right about right how it is now used as opposed to how it isn't, mm. and oftentimes it's you know used both. But I feel like right. this word is probably the word that I learned the most mm. about like of its yeah. actual definition, right? Where I feel like with moist and uh, and even awesome or apathy or yeah. buffalo, like I knew what those words actually literally meant. But in this one, I don't think I did. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest; I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. 
think uh, I think you've educated me. Oh, nice. Well, Knowledge me. <clears throat> that's our goal here, right? Is education? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really, actually. It's, we don't really care. It's knowledgement. <laughs> I would say it's knowledgement, you know? Like, not really, like, something that sounds smart, but isn't necessarily accurate. Right. Or, or Stephen Colbert's truthiness, right? Yes. I like, that. Yes. this podcast has some truthiness in it. Yeah. I feel like we try to be true. Yeah. Try to be accurate. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're staring into each other's eyes a lot today. It's really nice. This is an after dark version of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's getting intense. I, I'm gonna. I'm trying. Like, I'm actually trying actively right now not to get it, not to like do my like like porn guitar sound that I do <laughs> way too much as it is. We were just talking earlier off the off the air about like how we've gotten like maybe a little bit better about like our like weird vocal tics and things yeah. that we do. That's one of my things. I got to stop doing is porn guitar. Porn guitar. It is after dark. I, I can say it. I can say it. this is after dark. Episode. Yeah. Quiet. Silence. Nothing else needs to be said. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Me could. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. (laughs) If you do, (laughs) I know you're not stop. I'm not going to get that. I know. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Was that your porn guitar? No, that was trying to switch to bass guitar. Okay. I really get confused with your guitars. They sound sound similar. I mean, it's it's kind of the same with voices that I make. Um, it's like my old English voice is kind of also a Scottish voice, but also slightly Irish, also slightly like Russian in a weird way, or like yeah. Eastern European, and then possibly like <laughs> like a really offensive Southern mm-hmm. accent. Yeah, 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 all mixed into one. Are we it's gonna get? Good. Are we gonna get any of those today? No, I'm uh, gonna read normally today. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna. I'm okay. really gonna try and be an adult. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and mm. learn mm. from the things I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. And and apply <laughs> those things that I've learned no. to the now. I really, that's dangerous. I wouldn't recommend that. That's literally the conversation that I feel like I have every day. I go in and teach. Yeah. Is I'm going to teach you a thing. Uh-huh. I want you to be taught. Right. And learn. apply that. Mm. A different situation, mm-hmm. and then they go, "No, that's dangerous." Yeah, they went, "We don't that's like too that." Too much. I'm like, "You're right. It's mm. too much." They're right. Uh, knowledge is plower. Pa- sour? sour. Knowledge is sour. Is that the yeah. phrase? Plower, like someone who plows. <clears throat> Not we plover. Got re- we got real off track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. Decadence. Decadence. The state of being decadent. Nice. So you want to start with decadence? Yeah. What, what is decadence? Let's uh, choose a dealer's choice, Michael. Which oh, one do you want to my. read the first one? Which which one do you want to read? Read oh, one. Oh my! Well, let's go decadence because okay. I feel like yeah. that's the one that's on top. Go anyway, <laughs> what, what's what's the etymology? Uh, so the etymology, which I know you're going to talk a lot about, I'm pretty pretty pumped for that. Mm-hmm. Even the little bit that we've talked about before yeah. uh, recording today, because you kept some mystery, and I like I like mm-hmm. the mystery, right? Um, yeah, but uh, from the OED, our good friend, the OED, who yeah. has yet to return any of our calls. Or pleas for jobs, which I'm not sure why they wouldn't hire us. We're so obviously we're clearly qualified. entertaining. Yeah. But you know, OED's got some snarky tweets out there. Man. Yeah, they're pretty, yeah, okay. they're pretty snarky. Oh, that's a stuff. that's a B side episode. We need to look at just look at some just tweets. like o- OED tweets. <laughs> the, o- the history of the OED tweets. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, decadence. <coughs> oh, and sorry with the cough every once in a while. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to not be sick. Really. Right. right. Uh, but it comes from French, decadence. That was terrible. Oh, I gotta stop. Uh, medieval Latin, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, all the, all pretty close, right? Uh, decadencia, 
for Spanish, uh, Decadencia, for Portuguese, which <laughs> I'm probably saying it wrong. <laughs> and then Italian, Decadenza, right? right. All pretty close. Um, and meaning a declining mm. or a decaying. Mm. And then uh, Decadere uh, is to decay, right? And then they kind of break it down to down to fall, like the de and the ca- uh, cadadre, cadere. Right? I'm not mm. good at rolling my arms. <laughs> uh, means to fall. Uh, and it comes from Rome, and then it says the prev- uh, prevalent uh, uh, accentuation was formerly uh, decadence, uh, perhaps after decay. Uh, decadence was considered more scholarly. Earlier on, it's now pretty a standard word, which I think is interesting. Um, it's scholarly in 1895, which I know mm-hmm. late 1800s can become important to this word, oh, yeah. which is kind of cool. Then it moves away from that. But yeah. yeah. That's the etymology. Of so, like a lot of our other OED words, this is the Oxford English Dictionary, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. I think the full history of this word probably goes back, way back. But, oh, yeah. But we just heard, like you just read, it pretty much comes from medieval times. It entered mm-hmm. English in medieval times. But it comes from French. It comes from other Romance languages, yeah. right? Um, it does come from Latin, right? Mm-hmm. I believe the one that you read... Um, to uh, to fall away, mm-hmm. yeah. Latin's cadere to fall, right? Yeah. So it does come from Latin, but yeah. so <clears throat> we're gonna find that when we look at the uh, first instances in English, mm-hmm. they're basically the 1500s or so, yeah. Uh, and that's when we're gonna start seeing it. So that's where we're gonna start. And I actually have some poetry on the docket today, pretty sad, which I am so pumped. To be talking to you about always, always love you it when you bring it up. Know these things, and you are kind of knowledgeable. <laughs> Thank about you, these I things. appreciate it. Uh, so we got some Baudelaire, and we Ooh. got another guy by the name of William Drummond on the docket today. Drummond. But then we're going to talk about the more contemporary uses yeah. of the word. Yeah. Also, our friend Oscar Wilde. Always. We're going to talk about Oscar too. Who doesn't want to talk about? Um, Wilde? I'm not talking about Oscar the Grouch. That's a different Oscar. He is a Muppet. True. Oscar Wilde is a human. Very different. Let's make that distinction. Okay. okay. I'm Off. not sure. I'm not sure who which listeners of ours need to make that <laughs> distinction as much as you did Listen, in that in that moment. In the look, we've talked about this before. This is, there was explicit language on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You should not be listening to this if you are under the age of seventy two, because only the, the most mature people should listen to the this. The most mature, of right. course, but. If you do happen to be younger than that, and you're a Sesame Street viewer, you know what? We welcome you. Yes, sir. Take a listen. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun to, like, do an episode, like, an episode in which we swear, but, like, with Sesame Street characters. Well, maybe we should do an episode with, with like, Muppets, where we're Muppets. Mm -hmm. Like, we should... That's different. Sesame Street and Muppets are different. Yeah, you're right. Muppets, Jim Henson. Yeah. Sesame Street, different. Oh, okay. Well, we're gonna do this. Is we're gonna have to talk about this. this right, is, we're gonna talk this about is a this later. This is, this I is have some thoughts on that. That's important. I do like Oscar the Grouch. So, actually, you know what? This is not a side topic. Oscar the Grouch he has an attitude that is often described as pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Sure. Oscar the Grouch is what he's known for. He's grouchy. Yeah. He's in a bad mood. He lives in a garbage can. He lives. Right? <laughs> that's that's the guy I'm thinking of. Right? This yeah. is a garbage can. I mean. <laughs> Just telling him like it, it is. Much worse than that. I mean, when you say it out loud, it's funny. Yeah, but when I, that, that's what he is. He's a yeah. guy who lives in a can full of trash. Yeah, that's what he. Does. I don't even know if he's a guy. He's <laughs> just like some sort of creature that yeah, lives in a garbage can. Might not even kind be a guy. Yeah. he's just a ball of fur. 
Anyway, so yeah. point is, his, his attitude is not too good. Mm-hmm. It's a little grouchy. And that is one of the traits that is associated with this term, decadence. Interesting. <clears throat> it is a, uh, it is, well, it's about a time period. Mm-hmm. The late 1800s or the turn of the century is when there was a art movement mm-hmm. in literature and also painting that was referred to as decadent, mm-hmm. as the decadence, like a proper noun with a capital D. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was mentioning Oscar Wilde. He yeah. was associated with that, also Baudelaire. Yeah. And if you look at the Wikipedia entry, mm-hmm. which of course is infallible, infallible, they also mention a famous painting by the name of the Scream. You heard of the Scream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Scream. It is like such an evocative. Like it's like wow, you really yeah. feel the anxiety coming off mm-hmm. of that painting. Like this. is that part of the decadence movement? Well, it's associated with it. It's oh, at the tail end of it, and the reason being. Um, well, we'll get to this. We'll yeah, get to okay, this. But okay. we're going to talk about the decadent uh, literature, artistic movement a little bit more mm-hmm. in a minute. So let's come clearly, back to it. Clearly, we are very excited about this because we are, we are like uh, digressing hard oh, and consistently. So, yeah. um, but <laughs> the first, first, first definition, right? Yeah, yeah, Stick yeah. to what we, okay. what we usually do with the OED. Mm-hmm, Our mm-hmm. first definition, which you had said already, but mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're sticking to that. Uh, the process of falling away or declining. Uh, from a prior state of excellence, vitality, prosperity, uh, and then it's decay or impaired or deteriorated condition. And 1550, right? So he uh, Max just pointed out the full title of it, which is actually way more fun <laughs> for me to say right now than, <laughs> than uh, Compliance Scottle. Um, but right. around 1550, the title is The Compliant of Scotland with... An extraordinaire to the three estates to be vigilante. Uh, that was <laughs> vigilant in the defense of their public veil. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, so complaint of stock, Scotland, and then um, and the quote that they have uh, or the OED has with Dickens says, "My uh, triumphant state is succumbent," which is succumbit. Which actually, I'm not sure what word they're trying to say. Um, in decadence. Yeah, I didn't know what that one was. Yeah, about. some. Succumbed to, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Or my triumphant state is... Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess is uh, is succumbed in decadence, or is like yeah. overwhelmed by decadence. I guess we would just right. say it a little bit differently now. Yeah, maybe. Right? Which is fine. But yeah, so we get that first kind of, first kind of uh, interaction with it. And then this uh, specific definition, I think is interesting, it only, go, it only gives us until 1871. Yeah. Which at that shift in the late 1800s is where you just said that movement comes from. And the last one that we get, and we're yeah. going to talk about a couple of these because you said you have some of the poems yeah. as examples. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So I don't know if you want to get to those now or later. But yeah, let's do it. Let's do you it. You want to do that now? Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, uh, so the Drummond poem, right? Yeah. Um, is that this one? Yeah, that's this one. Okay. So the Drummond poem, which. Uh, so the line that supposedly says it from 1656. Um, is doth in decadence fall and slack remain. Uh, and here is one of the few poems we're going to read for you today. Okay, we're so going to get a read. Yeah, yeah. So if you're not into poetry, we're sorry, but also we're hoping to change your mind right yeah. now. Yeah, and also... This is some old poems. that. There's some old dead white dudes <laughs> mm. right now. I mean, not the coolest nor best poetry, mm. but mm. there's, there's going to be some things that just, I mean... Your old English teachers would be very impressed. Oh, yeah. So if you have a chance to, like, go back to high school and be like, totally listen to this podcast where they read these poems by, like, William Drummond and mm-hmm. Baudelaire, mm-hmm. right? They will they will give you a pat on the back. 
And, uh, you know, uh, or if they're really attractive old English teachers, right, and you're interested, maybe you can impress them. That's with the your best knowledge. Way to do it. Uh, yeah. Because I think John Cusack has told us if you don't have a boombox to put on your shoulder and mm-hmm. play some songs, poetry will do it for you. That's true. That's true. Well, so, done. Easy. Um, but, so this is uh, William Drummond. It uh, doesn't have a title, I guess. Well, or it's just a part of a poem. Yeah, actually, so just to add, he, uh, I found oh. this uh, it, online, right? So it was actually published in 1656, and there are five sonnets. Each one is numbered. Yeah. And they're all sonnets to Galatea. Okay. Which I believe is a uh, ancient Greek goddess, or maybe even yeah. prior to, I don't, I'm not sure. Oh. Uh, this is the fifth one. Okay. And would you then shake off love's golden chain, with which it is best freedom to be bound? And cruel, do you seek to heal the wound of love, which hath such sweet and pleasant pain? All that is subject unto nature's reign, in skies above or on this lower round, when it is long and far sought, end hath found, doth in decadence fall and slack remain. Behold the moon, how gay her face doth grow. Sorry, I got excited there. Um, Till she kiss all the sun, then doth decay. She see how the seas tumultuously do flow, till they embrace loved loved banks, Uh, then post away. So is it with love, unless you love me still. Oh, do not think I will yield unto your will. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! So yeah, yeah. So when it is Dramatic. long and fart, yeah, I try, I try. Nice. I, 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 I could. Anyway, um, so uh, those those two lines with decadence is interesting. When it is long and far sought, and hath found, uh, and hath found, both or doth in decadence fall and slack remain. Behold the moon. Uh, so like kind of, yeah, like the decay of love, right? Yeah, Which is just kind of interesting, right? Um. So it's with love, unless you love me still. Oh, do not think I will yield unto your will. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right. That's actually a good end. Yeah, I kind of like. I kind of like that end. The rest of the poem is all right, but like, yeah. I, I mean, that ends cool. Yeah, that's all, yeah, that's interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's so, a dry. That's a dry run. So. Maybe Galatea was like actually a like a lady that he was into. Yeah, could yeah. be that too. Well, you know, often <clears throat> when you're writing like a lot of these poems. Uh, so like Beatrice, which is a famous mm, yeah. subject of love poetry, and that's Dante, and right? Um, yeah, Dante is Beatrice. Yeah, you're mm. right. You're right. Um, and then I don't remember what Pet- uh, Petrarch's uh, affection was, but you know when when you talk like oftentimes like some of them would use different names um, for women. Beatrice, I think, was actually her name, or like there's some argument on whether or not it was. A real woman, right? Or it was a woman that he like fell in love with. They used a fake name yeah. for her, but there's some scholarship that says that actually, you know, it is it is really a woman named Beatrice, which is actually kind of cool. Um, but uh, you know, you you sometimes like write a poem to like some fake god, but you're really writing it to somebody else. I mean, it's classic, standard, classic poetry move. Obviously, right? classic. You know, right? Maybe right. Galatea was his uh, pet lab. <laughs> You know, I mean, think think about that. Well, maybe, right? Possible. Like, I just really love my dog. Yeah, right? very possible. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I write a poem about a diner, right? But really, I'm like sad mm-hmm. about how much my dad loves me. There you go, or something. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's just similar. I love your uh, diner poems, man. Thanks, man. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? So uh, that's the first example of a poem from our OID entry. That is actually the third one that we have, William yeah. Drummond. 
Um, yeah, so the, the word decay does uh, fall in there. He says... Uh, or de- decadent. Or no, the word decay, yeah, yeah. Well, that too, right. Yeah, both of them. The word decadence, which is it's he spells it in an old school way. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, yeah. So that's just sort of like, sort of like maybe, I don't know if you could call it a, an elegy, but it's like a, it's sort of mourning the nature of love and how it's bound to to fall away. Yeah, and if it's part of a, a sonnet series, right, it's probably building off of yeah. um, the other sonnets that came before. What number did you say this was? Fifth. The f- this is the fifth one? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so there was probably love lost, right, in mm-hmm. the, within there, right, and this is about the loss right. completely, right? Okay. Poems are notoriously very unhappy. Just in case you didn't know. Right? Well, that is <laughs> true. Uh, lots of pain, lots of suffering. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it yeah, it seems to be about that, which is interesting to kind of connect it with love mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. almost a positive thing. Uh, but there's a lot of negative stuff going on here. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of what you know you just said with the line with decay. Yeah, till she kiss all the sun, then doth decay. Right? It's like, well, okay, she died, right? <laughs> like she's dead. Yeah. Right, right, right. So it's uh, you know, it's interesting to have that com- that connection. And again, I think this is going to be, you know, what I the conclusion that I kind of came to while doing the research for this is that decadence and decadent did not mean what I thought it meant. Really? Yeah. What were you like, think? What did you originally think? Or think was it a slightly different connotation? It's just a different connotation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to get to that at the end when we start talking about it. It's like the way that we talk about the word. Oh, yeah. Now. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's keep going, right? So that's, that we'll come back to that. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, what what I like about this William Drummond poem too is like the word um, decadent or decadence falls into this poem, but it's also a poem that can be described overall as a poem about the decadence, decadence. of love. Yeah, which yeah, is look right. at our definition, right? The process of falling away or declining, decay, impaired or deteriorated condition. You're right. You're That's right. Uh, all that is in there. So <clears throat> I'm going to read our second poem, or maybe you will if you want, mm-hmm. in one second, but. To connect William Drummond to that poem, which is by Baudelaire, mm-hmm. uh, let's look at the last instance from the OED, which is in 1871. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, there's this guy whose name is J.B. Mayer. Let's see who he, he actually. What's what's that book? Oh yeah, okay. J.B. Mayer is the author of the Journal of Philology, uh, and that is from uh, 1868 to 1920. That that journal is coming out. Okay. <clears throat> so this is uh, third volume. Quote, decadence seems to have made little way in England until the last quarter of a century when it came into fashion apparently to denote decline and connote a scientific and enlightened view of that decline on the part of the user. So the date I find to be interesting. So that's actually, that instance is also offering us uh, an an extra definition which supports the one we're already talking about. But it's from 1871. And I think that's interesting because some of the other stuff I've been reading about decadence refers to a movement in literature called the decadent movement. Yeah. It's towards the end of the 1900s. Okay. It is, uh, coincides with a French term that means the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. And I may butcher this phrase, but I did click the little button that says that, you know, the robot pronounces it for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is the French phrase. It is fin de siècle. That sounded good to me. Thank you. I practiced it. sounded it fancy. For about three hours I by myself. very much trust you. Anyway, that's the term. And it, it means turn of the century, but it's also associated with decadence and the oh. traits of decadence, such as pessimism, hedonism, 
um, an obsession with beauty. Yeah. Sensualism. And more importantly for us, because we know that most artistic movements are refutations or um, or uh, oppositions to the art movement that immediately preceded them. Mm. And the art movement that came before decadence or the decadent movement was romanticism. Interesting. Oh, which okay, is okay. obsessed with nature. We got yeah, your Thoreau yeah. and your. Well, I guess that was transcendentalism, but yeah, that's <clears> later too. Later. And, oh, yeah. okay. Sorry, sorry. Well, uh, actually, I might have totally fucked that up. Mm. Yep, I'm pretty sure I fucked up my dates pretty hard there. Sorry, okay. never mind. Ignore yeah. what I just said. Yeah. So, well, you know, pretend I'm not. Here. We we aren't uh, f- by any stretch of the imagination literary theorists. Well, yeah, and also too, like that's not what we were looking up for right. today. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, so I don't know when was throwing asshole and kicked out that yeah. Irish family. Yeah, 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 I'm not sure. But <laughs> point is, the Romantics uh, were, you know, they were they were trafficking in emotion. They were obsessed with emotions, mm-hmm. and um, I think the decadents were sort of. They were they were moving away from a pure emotion and towards an appreciation of beauty for beauty's yeah. sake. Yeah, yeah. Hedonism, but also pessimism, mm-hmm. which is an interesting subcurrent, an undercurrent to that. And the the major names you hear associated with the decadent movement in the late 1800s were Oscar Wilde, the okay. author, who will also I want to talk about in a yeah, minute, yeah. and Baudelaire, the poet. So we heard from William Drummond that was uh, in order to point out how this word decadent got started yeah, in the English yeah. language. But now we're far later and we're, um, you know, we're in the late 1800s when Baudelaire was writing. Yeah. So do you want to read one more? It's up to you, man. You want to, you want to read it instead? You can go for it. How about I read, I read this one. Do okay. It. Four stanzas. This is a poem called Autumn. It's by Baudelaire. Uh, now, colder shadows, who'll turn back the clock? Goodbye, bright summer's brief, too lively sport. The squirrel drops its acorn with a shock. Cordwood reverberates at my cobbled court. Winter has entered in my citadel. Hate, anger, fear, forced work like splitting rock. And like the sun born to its northern hell, my heart's no more than a red frozen block. Shaking, I listen for the wood to fall. Building a scaffold makes no deafer sound. Each heartbeat knocks my body to the ground like a slow battering ram crumbling a wall. I think this is the season's funeral. Someone is nailing a coffin hurriedly. For whom? Yesterday, summer, today, fall. The steady progress sounds like a goodbye. Oh, rough. Yeah, rough, right? So <clears throat> the tone of this is very decadent. Yeah, it's yeah. very much looking back on it. On, it's not even necessarily looking back on better times. It's just sort of implying that there were better times before this, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, from the definition that we have, you know, an impaired or deteriorated condition. Mm-hmm. That seems to describe the tone of this pretty accurately, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, this is a lament. A little bit. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, but it's, you'll notice that it's, it's not talking necessarily about nature. Yeah. And it's not necessarily talking like, like a romantic poem. It's just like a sad pessimistic poem it's like mm-hmm. man everything sucks right now kind of poem yeah i think it makes sense that then it's called autumn right which is that move which we're in right now very timely mm-hmm. right? Good choice. decadent season uh, yes <laughs> but it's also that move into winter which oftentimes people refer to as like kind of death and then spring is regrowth and summer is like that bloom and like that yeah. those seem pretty uh tired or pretty oft-used metaphors, right? Where, like, autumn is the dying, right? But I think that this is an interesting... Like, you know, winter would be the death, like, the literal death. You know, like, everything is dead. Yeah, There's right. no more growth, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and spring is kind of like the birth, the rebirth, you know, or the birth. 
but autumn is like where it's passing away the end of life right or the end of that and i like that like decadence is kind of focused on that right because i think that oftentimes you know it's the summer and winter in, in that metaphor right the life and the death that we off often focus on yeah. or that when we want to write like pretty pretty poems which romanticism a little bit like not, their poems aren't necessarily pretty right all the time yeah. but uh like i definitely could see spring being related to yeah. them and then like baudelaire being like you know what let's twist it talk about autumn mm-hmm. yeah. yeah dude that right like totally i totally agree because that that's often like those the metaphorical value of the seasons yeah. right which we've heard of but yeah you're right i we, we could even say right mm-hmm. That were uh, the Baudelaire is marking is like a signpost in the artistic movement from the summer of Romanticism to the <laughs> autumn of decadence. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, so <clears throat> no one's responding. No one. <laughs> silence. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, so those are two poems. Those are our poems for today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's. I think those are excellent examples of this kind of literary movement. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tell tell me more. So tell me more about that because I know you introduced it a bit, uh, and that's really cool, and I like it a lot. Um, but tell okay. me a little bit more cool. about the movement itself. Well, so I, I'm gonna um, as I type in one thing here, we're gonna talk about this guy Oscar Wilde. Okay. He is the last artist um, that we have to, to discuss, and the, mm-hmm. the decadent capital D movement, and that's also coincides with the time period where this is um, this is most the word decadence um, refers most. Yeah. Commonly, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oscar Wilde is, is, a, is a playwright and a writer. He was born in 1854. He died in 1900 in, among, uh, under very tragic circumstances, and yeah. that's what I want to talk about. But what is he famous for doing? Well, uh, a bunch of plays. He has only one novel. It's mm-hmm. called The Picture of Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, his most famous play uh, was called The Importance of Being Earnest. Mm-hmm. It's from 1895. Have you ever seen that play? Yep. Okay, so you... I had to read it a lot in uh, undergrad. Really? I, think I read it, like, for three different what, classes. What the... Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, man. So, all right. So, this is this is funny. I want to talk about Oscar Wilde. I have never read a single word of Oscar Wilde. Wait, seriously? I, I think I might have read Dorian Gray, but I don't even remember. It was so long ago. I don't oh. think it really counts. So, what that means is you are the resident Dorian Gray... Uh, Pseudo-expert. Pseudo-expert. <laughs> um, so, do you want to... Just tell us briefly what you remember of this book, and I'm gonna uh, after that I'm gonna use that to jump off to talk about uh, uh, the the end of his life, which I think is really interesting. Okay, uh, well, I think that the, you know talking back to the connection, the connection back to decadence, right, mm-hmm. or like what you describe as that kind of movement. I think that you know if you've read Dorian Gray uh, before, I mean it seems pretty self explanatory that you have these two kind of characters. Um, that that affect Dorian Gray in his life, uh, and then the one who convinces him to kind of lead a life of, I guess, decadence would be a good way of uh, putting it, right? And I think that there's something to say about like how Dorian Gray kind of goes through that decadence or that kind of uh, 
hedonism, right? Because that's what they refer to. In the book, Wilde has his characters call it hedonism mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. not really decadence, or at least I don't remember that. I remember talking about hedonism a lot more yeah. um, in class when I had to read it. Um, but that was one of the few books that I finished, and I think one of the when I, that I finished when I was younger because yeah. um, I didn't really enjoy reading or <laughs> books, really, yeah, yeah, I mean, for a long time yeah. um, until I was older <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, there's magic here! Woo! Oh my gosh! Um, right. But I I think one of the reasons that I liked it so much was because of the way that it, it connects to this idea of kind of just going nuts, like just letting yourself sleep with whoever, do yeah. the drugs that you want to do, get trashed, do what you want, right? Yeah. And then at the end, you, you know, your body is taking such a toll that like it mm. just like has destroyed you. Yeah. And then Dorian Gray, the kind of magic in Dorian Gray is that he doesn't age. He has a painting oh, really? of himself. Yeah, um, I'm not really ruining anything for no, anybody because yeah. this, this is also like a huge part of pop culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like Dorian Gray is often. Book. Yeah, if you if you've watched uh, the um, what is it the Penny um, Penny Dreadful. The TV show, yeah, right. Uh, Dorian Gray's a character on there, and oh, okay. you know, pretty close. Okay. He's got a painting that like ages or is burned when he's burned, like it shows up on the on the painting and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then he's also a character in uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Right? So, oh, so he had to go wow. back to that. Okay, right? all right. But you know, he's a, he's a character that's often referred to. Um, all right. But he, the magic is that this painting ages and suffers the effects of what he's done um and he he doesn't and then when the painting's destroyed he hmm. he gets all of it right that's kind of his downfall oh. but it's interesting that like decadence destroys the body right mm-hmm. and not and not only in a physical way in which um he gets hurt he gets injured um slightly i think in the book uh in like tv and stuff the tv shows or um other things they kind of push that more yeah. like he gets stabbed and like nothing happens it happens to the painting kind of thing right. um, but I think in the book he gets minorly injured and or like there are physical things that happen to him like he ages mm. like and the book like takes place over a longer period of time and he's like very young and then he's supposed to be kind of middle aged or late middle aged mm. uh, and he looks exactly the same mm. so like those kind of physical things don't change for him but also the kind of damage that hedonism or drug use or like just being into overindulging in whatever uh, supposedly does to your soul which like then takes an outward appearance so that if you look older or you look kind of beat up or whatever it means you've lived a more decadent or indulgent life right uh, and I think that's interesting so you know okay. Picture Dorian Gray does that I, I strongly suggest that book to people I mean yeah. I would Good book. like it's an older it's an older book and Wilde is um, very much also kind of you know, using, like, at least for me, I see it as a little bit of a metaphor of being in the closet and being free, right? I mean, like, the, uh, right. the struggle that Wilde had to go through famously for being out and gay, right, in a yeah. time period where you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pretty out, at least, um, yeah. is intense. But the importance of being earnest, too, is a pretty famous one. Okay. Um, and I'm not 100% sure, like, because, again, that's been a while. That's a, no, that's I mean, interesting. A few times, Given everything but, you just said, the title yeah. of that is, like, sort of yeah. ironic and funny. Well, well, Ernest is actually a character, oh. right? Um, and it's, if you've seen the, the play, is hilarious, right? Okay. If you can see, like, a decent production of it, yeah. man, like, there's Spike. something beautiful about it, right? Yeah, 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 um, 
Okay. And if you've ever seen like a reference to eating uh, cucumber sandwiches, right? Uh, in popular is. culture, there that that actually comes from like in a funny way. If it's usually referred to in a funny way, yeah. it comes from the importance of being earnest. Which one of the characters okay. keeps eating these cucumber sandwiches oh, right. um, that he's made for people coming over? It's very funny. Um, but okay. uh, both of these characters pretend to be uh, or pretend to have a cousin or like a. And a, a brother, or like a family member, I think. I, I'm not remembering the direct facts directly, but uh, pretend to have somebody in their life called Ernest, who uh, okay. that they have to go and see when they don't want to like deal with oh. like these things, or they want to be bad and like kind of whatever. Um, oh, and that's then the, super interesting. Yeah, and then the show or the play is kind of it deals with. Like this, this woman coming in, and like the the language that's spoken, and how they talk about like being honest or not honest, and how like that makes them trust each other or not. Like, oh, you're not like you're not an honest man. I would expect that, right? Like yeah. that, that makes me trust you more, kind of thing. It's it's all very interesting, but importance of being earnest is pretty funny, and along with a lot of his other plays, which again, those I think I had to read a couple. Beyond importance of being earnest, he's got several that are that were like really famous. At the yeah, time. and I don't remember them now. Right, yeah. um, I remember Dorian Gray more. I just, I just do yeah, do yeah. a little bit. Like I remember the plot more, um, but like that, those I don't remember as much. But yeah, Dorian uh, Wild, I guess like that makes sense with the way that you describe decadence or the way that the word is used. The idea of like kind of indulging in something and then that leading to your decay. Right, mm-hmm. like kind of the downfall of you, mm-hmm. right? That like makes sense in reference to Dorian Gray pretty hard. Yeah. Okay, okay. So how does that connect back to like his death? All right, so so all right, so good. So that that was all really necessary context for who this guy Oscar Wilde is, and I just want to. I I think you might know a little bit more about his life than I because mm-hmm. I just like sort of learned a little bit about it. But <clears throat> this is for correct me if you hear anything that's mm-hmm. wrong here. But so he's he's originally Irish. He's an intellectual. Right. He was, uh, I believe at the time, like today we would say, oh, this is a person who's either in the closet or he's identifies as gay. But Mm -hmm. he feels um, rightfully that society is not uh, tolerant of that. So he might have been, you know, comfortable with his identity, but not sharing it for safety reasons. Right. And this is a time period in Victorian England or post-Victorian England. Right. Um, when there was actually a law and probably several laws plus cultural mores in place that were, it was dangerous to be publicly out, yeah, right? Yeah. It was totally dangerous. And that was actually his downfall, right? Mm-hmm. So the picture of Dorian Gray was published in 1890. His his uh, play his plays came out in the 1890s as well. And that was when, so all of society was familiar with this guy Oscar mm-hmm. Wilde. He's a famous intellectual artist. Everybody respected him for that. He was a very charming, smart guy. But also I think he was widely seen as like an effeminate person and also like a, like a hedonist. Mm-hmm. And these were all code words for he's, he's gay. And, yeah, you know, yeah. right? So it, this is the thing. But his the way he, he died was really tragic. And I want to read a quote which uh, is going to lead up to that. So basically, in short, his uh, his his lover, like his boyfriend, this guy who he was closely associated with for many years. What, Alfred Douglas? Yeah, Alfred Lord Douglas. Alfred. Lord, Al- Lord Alfred Douglas. <laughs> so basically what happened was at the height of his fame and success in the 1890s, um, Lord Alfred Douglas's father mm-hmm. um, left a, uh, a note 
for uh, Oscar Wilde mm-hmm. uh, after a party, I believe, or something like that. And this is, you know, this is the 1890s, so this is a normal way to communicate with somebody. He left a card after missing him at a party or something um, that called him, uh, that said he was posing as a sodomite. And what's interesting is that if, uh, if Wikipedia is correct, the note was actually misspelled. Sodomite was misspelled, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, right, so I'm just going down here. All right, so here it is. Yeah, in February 1895, uh, Douglas, Douglas' father left his calling card at Wilde's Club, the Albemarle. I wish I had my own club, right? <laughs> Inscribed for Oscar Wilde posing sodomite. And this note was really his downfall because yeah. what happened was Wilde was offended by it and he was encouraged by the guy's son, mm-hmm. um, Lord Douglas, to um, basically charge Douglas's father, who was a Marquess, his title was Marquess, uh, to charge the Marquess for libel in yeah, court. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is a very dangerous thing to do mm-hmm. because why put yourself under the microscope in a court of law during yeah. a time when there are laws against you living the lifestyle that you lead? Yeah. Kind of a stupid move, right? Yeah. Maybe he was, it's a self indulgent move, a hedonistic move, a you might bit. say. But it's also it also has to do with like defending. A fake reputation, right? So I mean, fake reputation. Be, yeah, can't be out, right? But right. I mean, Wild it's very confusing because a lot like people take weird liberties with Wild, right? Man. I mean, yes, he's he's inspirational because he is out about it. Mm-hmm. His relationship with uh, with Douglas is not necessarily closeted. It's yeah. not too secretive, right? But I mean, they have the privilege of money right. behind them, and so I mean, yeah. this isn't. I mean, this is something that is uncommon, but not, you know, like they kind of have that privilege, but they're not not exactly out. It's not like going to a party mm-hmm. with, you know, if you if you're gay now and going to a party with your boyfriend, yeah. and people are like, oh, that's weird. You can be like, okay, everyone disagrees with you. Like, mm-hmm. this is my boyfriend. I'm I can say I'm gay. I can identify, yeah. self identify. At that time, like, it's not that right. You yeah. go, to, you you know, like you go to a party with somebody. I mean, there's an ex- expectation not. A, to yeah, be right, right. with somebody else. And so right. it's weird. He's out, but he's not. And so, like, a lot of, like, to accuse somebody of sodomy, though, to, you know, accuse somebody of a crime, a very a serious crime, crime right. right, would be, like, important. Like, that's that would be something that he could get very upset about and could hurt him yeah. uh, professionally a lot. That if he could win this, you know, that could be a good thing. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So maybe <clears throat> it was like he was thinking, you know what? This guy, uh, I'm going to save my reputation, even though... Um, what he's saying essentially amounts to a truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he's saying it was offensive. Like, he calls him a sodomite, which is obviously derogatory. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I could could talk about like the that word for a whole episode too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, it's it's it was meant to be an insult, and that's the way he took it, and that's why he charged the Marquess in court. Anyway, what happened was he loses. He loses yeah. in a very public manner. Uh, Carson, who was the Marquess's lawyer, was a was a really uh, sneaky, devious, and intelligent and talented lawyer who basically um, called uh, Wilde up on the stand and made him look really bad, uh, questioned his credibility, and uh, basically, under the the largesse of the court, he put Wilde's personal life under the yeah. microscope mm-hmm. and made him look like a sodomite. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, the the legal defense for the, the uh, libel charge was, well, it's true. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's why he lost. So, so yeah, yeah. 
wild through the court of the it was actually a really sensational and crazy way to go because he went in charging another guy and he came out at the end of the trial um being charged mm-hmm. and friends said you should flee you should go to france you should get out of this country he doesn't um famously he doesn't he is put in jail a uh couple different prisons and he's doing hard labor the entire time this is like a frail person too his health isn't great so he's doing hard labor um for years and at one point uh he entered prison in may 19 1895 and was in there for for two years so while he's in jail wikipedia says in november uh after he landed in wandsworth prison in london uh, doing hard labor. He collapsed during chapel from illness and hunger. His right eardrum ruptured in the fall, an injury that later contributed to his death. I uh, spent two months in the infirmary. So this is all leading up to a quote that I want to read you. So he, after that injury, he, uh, they, uh, reading had been outlawed in the prison. Yeah. And it's suddenly allowed again. The, the, they allow for inmates to read yeah so wild requests a bunch of things to read and then he reads them and he writes a long book um called the ballad of reading jail um uh, right gall reading gall reading gall yeah yeah okay (laughs) it's g-a-o-l it's gall does it mean jail or no uh i don't think so okay he wrote that, and then he also wrote a 50,000-word letter to Lord Douglas, mm-hmm. uh, which... Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. That is, that's not a letter. That's like a book. It's <laughs> right? a book, yeah. And it actually yeah. was published later on uh, under the title De, Fro- De Profundis. Oh. And it's basically like... It's not like a will, but it's sort of like his, his last sort of thing that he oh. does, that he writes. And it's... it's um, it's decadent in a lot of ways. It's pessimistic. It looks back yeah. on his life with a really critical eye. Yeah. And uh, it it basically, Wilde sort of admits to his flaws in his life and how he takes a, uh, responsibility for ending up where he did. And he apologizes to Douglas. And this is the quote I wanted to read you. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is from the letter, the 50,000-word letter he wrote to Douglas. The second half of the letter traces his spiritual journey of redemption and fulfillment through his prison reading. He realized his ordeal had filled his soul with the fruit of experience, however bitter it tasted at the time. So this is a quote from Oscar Wilde. I wanted to eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden of the world. And so indeed I went out and so I lived. My only mistake was that I confirmed, confined myself so exclusively to the trees of what seemed to me the sunlit side of the garden and shunned the other side for its shadow and its gloom. So I read that quote because um, it seems to be a neat, you know, encapsulation of the idea of decadence. He's saying, I was hedonistic. Yeah. Just like his character Dorian, Dorian Gray. Yeah. And that's a mistake. He shunned the shadow and the gloom of life. So basically he shielded himself from an important part of life. Yeah. And he paid the price for it in the end. And that's what he was, that was the sort of sentiment that he was expressing there. That's actually, yeah, that's pretty intense. Right. What year does he end up passing away? Um, 1900. Yeah, so he he develops cerebral meningitis, and that's, I don't, I think it's pretty awful uh, illness, mm-hmm. and he became more and more religious towards the end, and uh, the, the theories, there's differing theories, of course. One theory, which is sort of anti-wild, mm-hmm. is that he had syphilis. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. <clears throat> but, that makes sense. Right, but then they're, they're right to point out that um, 
the some doctors and his grand Wilde's grandson thought that was wrong, mm-hmm. and that it was meningitis coming from a surgical intervention that probably had to do with his mm. his fall, what he ruptured his eardrum. Uh, they were trying. He had surgery, I guess, to to remove some air bubbles, like in mm. his middle ear, which sounds like a fucking for eighteen ninety five. That's not a surgery you want to do. Yeah, right? or even nineteen hundred <laughs> for that, or like two thousand sixteen. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Anywho, that concludes the Oscar Wilde chapter of yeah. this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that I mean that's that's interesting because I think. It's moved from like the word kind of being entered into the English language and then being kind of claimed as part of this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, coming to now, there's actually a connection to the way that we see decadence now. But I mean, let, we'll talk about decadent first and then kind of get into that. But an important note that we have, which I think is interesting, is that um, the Oxford, the OED uh, definition of decadence mm-hmm. has not been updated mm-hmm. since. <laughs> 1894. <laughs> so 1894 was the last time that this entry was updated. So 1894, Decadence was published and they haven't updated That's a decadent uh, way to handle this entry. Yeah, and I think I think that that's really interesting um, for lots, lots of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Decadent is the same. It has not been updated since 1894. Right. Um, so, yeah, pretty intense. Um, but the word decadent, right, mm-hmm. um, because I think that this is going to connect mm-hmm. to a different definition or connotation or understanding of the word than decadence, right? Because yeah. I think there's a lot going on there, right? Yeah, You're yeah. talking a lot about, like, different art movements and kind of how that affects art movements after. So, I mean, things after are responding to... This kind of idea of decadence or, you know, whatever. And I like it. I like yeah. It a lot. yeah. Um, decadent, it defines it the fir- uh, as an adge- adjective for the first definition, pretty similar to decadence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, is in a state of decay or decline, falling off or deteriorating from a prior condition of excellence, vitality, prosperity, etc. Um, and then there's also your definition yeah. Um, which is said of a French school which affects to belong to an age of decadence in literature and art, which uh, in, 19, in 1894, if this is being used, obviously they're throwing this word around themselves, which I think is good. And the reason I didn't read this earlier mm-hmm. is because I knew you were going to talk so much about it. And I didn't yeah, want it reminds like, us of, of that French over, phrase for yeah. right, turn um, of the and, century. And then also, too, said of other schools of literature and art characterized by decadence. Um, and then uh, aesthetic. So, like, the aesthetic movement, too, which I guess is another phrase for, like, mm-hmm. like this type of movement, um, which here they do have an updated thing beyond 1894, right? They right. have, they have uh, entries from the uh, 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Um, and so here it's, you know, a Times article from 1958, the last public appearance of Dada, uh, Dadaism, uh, oh, was yeah. that of an uh, aesthetic outlaw under the Nazi ban and during the uh, campaign 1937 against decadent art? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> which is which is yeah. This this definition seems to be have more to do with art and art movements, yep. which is cool because the I read a lot more about this, but the decadent capital D movement yeah. um, was said to be associated with later movements such as Dadaism, symbolism. Mm. 
um, and those those guys. Yeah. Well, I think that decadence is what you're what you said and referred to earlier about looking at art or looking at the beauty of things, mm-hmm. right? Or just kind of looking at something and going, "This is beautiful," and that is the only point of this thing. Yeah. Um, or you know, and that being kind of decadent, that there's no lesson to be learned or yeah. no idea to be expressed except for the idea of it being for beauty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's you know, I think that's. Of course, like what a lot of people are going to come back to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of things of what people don't like or do, you know, where people are dealing with space or shape, and right. you know, having a you know a nude walking down the staircase, right? Mm. But it's not doesn't look anything like a nude walking down the staircase. <laughs> um, and and the idea of that is that it's for you know it's for difficulty, it's for you know like that's related to something being for beauty. Right, yeah. um, it's being for an idea or for a concept, and not so much uh, to teach or learn or ex- express an opinion, a political leaning, or something like right, that. Right, you right. know, um, yeah. Right. So I think that's yeah. I think that's interesting. And so then you know, decadent kind of just has that, which is much more of the mm-hmm. art movement. Right, then decadence, you know, usually is even though you know the even the second definition of decadence is. Uh, apply to a particular period of decline in art, literature, etc. Yeah. Which is different than being uh, the age of decadence, which is interesting because the age of decadence had a decadent part of it. Which yeah. is the decline of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. A fun little uh, word play there. Word play. <laughs> so, Michael, yeah. this leads us to ask the question, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm moving away from the OED now yeah, yeah. for a second. Yeah, yeah, talk to um, Let's contextualize this word a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Now that we know the origins, yeah. now that we know generally what people talk about uh-huh. when they talk about it. And the kind of where it comes from as you, as an art movement, right? Because it's an important uh, moment in time for this word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you think we view it now? What do you think of now in terms of our present world? Do you think... We are in a state of decadence here today in the United States, which is where we broadcast this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> in the heart. In the heart of the USA. <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. Decadence. Decadence. Right. Rated NC-17. Wow, it would be NC-17. Your face got real red there. I know. It was intense. It's because I was getting crazy. <laughs> Rated... <laughs> PG. I like that basically we get really excited about talking about nerdy things and kind of get into this zone of, oh my god, words. And I imagine that we have listeners who are like, oh, they're funny. And <laughs> listeners who are like, oh, they get really into this stuff. <laughs> too much. And that there's, or maybe not, nah, not too much, right? But they just get into it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe too much, you're right. We, we have heard that criticism. What are we going to say? <laughs> Paul. <laughs> um, anyway, so like, but uh, I, I feel like those two groups, mm. you know, the funny group is like, when are they going to get to a joke about words yeah, yeah, again? Right, right, right. And the other group is like, yes, and then we just stop and go fart and yeah, I just that's imagine it. they're like this is why yeah. I hate life yeah, um, right. I can't believe but- <laughs> I'm going to continue listening I can't believe I'm going to download every episode of this as soon as it comes out every single time um, booyah but uh, so I think that I think that there's a, a shift right mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. with what you talked about or at least what I'm seeing with you with the way that you described it and the way that I've understood the word decadent or decadence to uh, what I've understood it to mean 
And the shift being like the definition is like deteriorating. Mm-hmm. But I've never or decay or decline. I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. I've thought of decadence as you know being something too good, right? Mm-hmm. Or decadence as being something um, frivolous or yeah. something like that uh, that you kind of meaninglessly put yourself into. Mm. And I feel like there's a shift. And I think that Wild, and the reason we talked about Wild for so long, yeah. is Wild's kind of a key moment in that shift, which is talking about Dorian Gray, and he doesn't do anything for any other reason than it feels good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, so he just he you know he smokes opium for a while because it feels good. Right, mm-hmm. he you know sleeps with people's wives for a while because mm-hmm. it feels good. Right, mm-hmm. and then stops and he switches around and he does other things. And also, Dorian Gray is very clearly bi or like very oh, like okay. it's very complicated in the right. book. But <clears throat> there's a lot going on there, and I think that the the kind of understanding now when we talk about cake being decadent, right, or we talk about uh, you know, somebody, you know, leaving, leading a life of decadence, right? I, I feel like our connotation is never that it's on the decline or that it's the decay. And I don't mean never, but I just feel like often when we use that phrase, it's not that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it comes from an, kind of an acceptance of this idea or the ideas that Wilde, you know, is famous for expressing, not really the one that you said he had at the end of his life, which is an interesting counterbalance to what he had earlier, which is kind of experience this thing. Even though Dorian Gray dies or, like, suffers at the end, it's kind of a book about how, how bad fun it is. How fun it is to, like, kind of do these things. And, like, these yeah. beautiful speeches. It's similar to uh, if if people have read, um, uh, oh, Jesus, Paradise Lost, right? Oh, yeah. And Paradise Lost... Uh, the difference between the way that say like the devil talks and yeah. the way uh, you know Satan and mm-hmm. the way that God talks is basically like Satan is beautiful language mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. real intense and there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with the things that he says okay. how he says it what he does and God kind of says you should not do things <laughs> and he's like kind of got this stilted kind of not beautiful language going on uh, and and it's an interesting because Paradise Lost is about the fall so yeah. it is about like you should do things for God mm. not for Satan you know whatever it's like the history yeah. of like uh, you know Christianity yeah. but it's also kind of uh, you know like this other side yeah. these things that you know me as an artist, right? You know, value yeah. um, or want to do, and for Wild in Dorian Gray, it's like I my identity is this, or my yeah. being is this. I want to do these things. It's different, man. I, I just feel like we've ex- kind of accepted this idea of decadence as being a yeah. good thing or more of a good yeah. thing, and I think that's an interesting uh, conflict mm-hmm. with what mm-hmm. the definition is, which is. That it's not. It's a decay. It's a decline. Yeah. And so then if you ask if we're in an age of decadence, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a couple, there are a few answers to that. Yeah. Which one would be, you know, it, how you look at it would answer that. You know, do you see now as are we declining or are we going down? I think people would say yes and some people would say no and there's a conversation yeah. to be had about yeah. that. I think that another way you can answer that question is uh, if you see the connotation of decadence as being positive, I think you can say yes. You know, like we live in a world in which yeah. most people in America have toilets, or you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. and that could be decadence. <laughs> but that yeah. could be right. Yeah. I know that it sounds ridiculous yeah. right in our world, but like that, you know, that could be it. Right. Um, and yeah. I think that another way that you can answer that is um, 
with haven't we always lived in an age of decadence slash you know with that hasn't somebody and or more specifically some buddies mm-hmm. always lived in an age of decadence in this world mm-hmm. like when can you go back and talk about an age uh an age in which across the board there are not oppressors or oppressed and here the oppressors would have the decadence mm. would be you know would have that kind of privilege and the oppressed would not uh, and i think the that, power struggles yeah right the power structure yeah, and i think that one of the things nice. that we read in the definition talking about rome and like talking about the end of rome as being mm-hmm. like an mm-hmm. age of decadence mm-hmm. you know and that talking about the fall of rome and oftentimes there's conversation about, oh, when everyone's comfortable in Rome, right? Um, and there's a lot of comparisons to now, too. Yeah. <laughs> I read the, this one thing that talks about when when chefs become famous, it's one of the signs <laughs> that... society is coming apart. That civilization is going to fall. Yeah, yeah bro, right? Which yeah. is weird, right? A yeah, weird thing. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, it be, but it's interesting, like, they actually had historical, like, things where they went back. And I was like, okay, cool, you got evidence and shit, but, like... Anthony Bourdain is really the fall of civilization. <laughs> yeah, I don't no, know, man. Actually, he's that important. He's yeah. got too many shows. <laughs> he I mean, he has like what? He's got like Point of No Return. He's got like No Reservations. He's got some reservations. He's got Can I Get a Reservation? <laughs> he's got other people have reservations, but I don't need one because I'm Anthony Bourdain, a famous chef. Yeah, he's got right? all the shows. So, so there's stuff like that, right? Um, but the end of Rome, I think that there's a conversation about, I think this idea of moral decadence or moral decay is mm. the big one. Because I think that oftentimes the conversation of Rome, there's actually a lot of beauty mm. in the end of Rome before mm-hmm. Rome gets sacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a lot of misinformation in how we define that history, which, you know, I think, you know, I, I think I've talked about the Byzantine Empire on this before. Yeah. But the Byzantine Empire is would never referred to itself as that. No. Um, the Byzantine Empire is what we refer to it as. Yeah. But it was the Roman Empire just with its capital in Constantinople. Yeah. Not in Rome. Yeah, it's just so a different iteration Rome, of Rome. Rome did not fall. No. And there was the Holy Roman Empire, which is then another Rome in the Empire. Yeah. Which is different. And Christian so, Rome. Yeah, so it's like... It, so there's like a weird thing of like, well, no, the Roman Empire didn't end when Rome gets sacked, but that's not the point. That's the way um, we see it, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a weird. So, thing. dude, but, you're saying a lot of important things. Yeah. So, like, let me just point out a couple stuff, mm-hmm. a couple things. I agree with all this. Like, I think that first of all, morality is subjective. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, agree yeah. with my friend Joan Didion. Especially, I used to teach an article of hers called "On Morality," where nice. she makes argues that morality is subjective, and it depends on who's looking. Mm-hmm. So, the subjectivity of morality is inherent in this word. If you think something's decaying, well, who's doing the? Who's making that statement? Yeah, yeah. You're, where are you standing, and why are you saying that? That's right? Good. There's always going to be oppressors and oppressed, right? Yeah, yeah. So you go back to dark times in our history. There's always going to be somebody on one side and somebody on the other. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a uh, problematic term. Well, the old days were always good for somebody. Always, yeah, you right. Know, like I mean, you talk yeah. about the good old days. Yeah, right? they were always good for somebody. Hell yeah, right? Yeah, like, so right. Yeah. Well, sorry, go ahead. Right, and you know what, like. I don't know. We could go off on another tangent, but the <laughs> point is there's, there's that. And I think the Rome thing is important because, yes, the way the history books have been written, we say, oh, full stop, Rome's done, full stop, and look at what happened what, just before that. Why did it happen? Why was there a full stop, right? Mm. So the whole question that's being posed is sort of flawed. Yeah. Like you pointed out, yeah. there's the Byzantine, all these things. But the common narrative that we get is, oh, well, decadence. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, the the culture of Rome was supposedly becoming too hedonistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah. It was becoming corrupt. Mm-hmm. And somehow that is what caused society to fall, which I, which I think doesn't make a lot of 
common sense. It well, doesn't really add up. I think that when you go back and you read things like uh, Ovid, right? And there's a lot of conversation in some of his books, and like especially his book... Um, which I, the uh, something of love, right? I can't mm-hmm, remember the mm-hmm. name of it. Um, but like, there's a poem in there which is one of my favorites, right? Mm-hmm. In which he uh, goes to see his lover, who is a married woman, right? Mm-hmm. And the guard will not let him in the door, and he's upset, mm-hmm. and so he's like staring at her window, right? And so he unloads on her wall. Dude, we talked about this on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, before. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, so, I, I love mean, this story. Yeah, no. I can't believe I'm so happy the story just came back <laughs> no, just now. No. Oh god. But yeah, so like <laughs> I would, you know, like that that's a fun one. That's a I, dirty I story. It's super dirty. That was right? from pornography. That's what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That is from pornography. But but I would, you know, I mean, at that time <laughs> when you read that actually that seems kind of great. There's like a, there's a lot of an idea of like open love or like well, you know, and again it's with only the wealthy. <laughs> and it's that's closed in that in that sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, there's this idea of like people were very like what they called morally lax, or what mm-hmm. you know, or what people have called, I guess, mm-hmm. morally lax, or people have called you know like wrong, yeah. like religiously wrong or like morally wrong. Yeah, who's it, to say? But like some of that stuff sounds great. Like this idea of like, <laughs> well, there was e- there was an ease of like ending marriage. Right or easier than right. it has been. Right? right, there was an ease of these things, and so like there's this callback all the time. Oh, divorce rates are high. That you know that mm-hmm. means we're on the downfall, just like Rome. Mm-hmm. You know this was you know this was like this. You know we're legalizing marijuana. It means yeah. we're all gonna die. Right. Yeah, we're all gonna. I mean, die. there was a black moon the other night. I mean, that just means the end of the world. Well, clearly, that's we're all toast. Cash, <laughs> cash yeah. it. To take your your retirement account yeah. money. Yeah, get that. Spend that shit. I guess. Yeah. So you, no, right. this is interesting too because now when you start to look at it that way. Like the the power like lens. Like, yeah. Let's look at Oscar Wilde. We were just saying this is somebody who's come to define the term decadent mm-hmm. and hedonism and self indulgence, and I think some of that is probably fair to say mm-hmm. based on his lifestyle. But another th- way of looking at it would be like this is a this is an inherently homophobic thing to say. Mm-hmm. Well, why is he decadent? Because he's a gay guy. Is that why? Mm-hmm. He's sort of living out his lifestyle the way he wants to. Is, is that, that decadent? Is yeah, that de- yeah. What, the decadence yeah. definitely has a negative connotation because yeah. of the way that it's it's, call, it's describing corruption, mm-hmm. the the decay, the loss of vitality, mm-hmm. um, decline. That's not good. Mm-hmm. And to describe Oscar Wilde that way, he probably wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so you mentioned dessert. I did. I did mention the okay. the positive side mm. of the idea of decadence. Right? Okay. Uh, similar to to moist. Yes. Ooh. I'm averse <laughs> to that word. So <clears throat> I'm leading up to our final game. Oh, okay. I'm excited. Okay. So I'm it's excited. about dessert, but I just want to point out the last thing I want to say about this word. Yes, people toss it around more these yeah. days. I think in the last 10, 15 years, it's starting to get thrown around more mm-hmm. in wider settings. Mm-hmm. Often about food. Yeah. Particularly delicious. And, and I want and this is gonna lead into the food too, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanna again mention mm-hmm. which we've mentioned on previous podcasts, which I'm kind of leaning towards doing this in every episode now. Uh this word mm-hmm. we get the double tap. Oh yeah. Which is it has a sexual connotation mm-hmm. and a sexual history. Ooh. As well as a religious one. Right? <laughs> I love that you call so, it a double tap. Yeah. So the, this <laughs> so this is uh so, you know, where many of our words, right, have, you know, these words that don't seem sexual or aren't, you know, explicitly so, mm. or even religious, every word we've talked about, or almost every word, I think every word we've talked about, mm. has had one of the two. Here we get both. 
decadent along with Oscar Wilde, the kind of sexuality, yeah, like kind of Rome, like the sexualness, right? Okay. Sexuality has to do with it, and then clearly that's related to how religion views that. But I think that the way that we refer to food here is borrowing from re- moral decadence, religious language, yeah, to speak about it. So I'm excited right now. Yeah, I'm pumped. To talk about decadent cake, decadent Ooh. pie, cheesecake, if you will. Oh, cheesecake. That would be so decadent. excellent right now. You know what's the most decadent <coughs> food that I can think of? Mm-hmm. Well, what what's your, what's the most decadent food that you can think of? So, man, I mean... I'm actually, not, let me preface this oh, question. Okay. okay. So, that's that's going to be the end of the game, actually. Let me just say... Yeah, okay. Because my phone... I'm looking at this on my phone, and I need to keep it up. That's, okay. that's why. But the reason I... This is the game. Mm-hmm. The game is, I'm going to describe the most decadent dessert that I could find in the New York area. Yeah. This is going to remind you of our Per Se episode. I'm pretty excited. It's not made by the restaurant Per Se, but okay. it might as well be. Yeah. It's made by a restaurant called um, Serendipity 3. Okay. Mm. Serendipity 1 and 2, not so serendipitous. <coughs> there needs to be a third Three one. is the best. Yeah, the third one's the best. Um, so, why do we use this word to describe dessert? Well, this is my opinion. Uh, the hedonistic, mm-hmm. self-indulgent part of the word, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yep. Maybe there's some guilt involved with that. Mm-hmm. You feel a little bad for eating such a mm-hmm. delicious, maybe high-calorie thing. Mm-hmm. But that good kind of bad. But you know? good bad. You feel that good bad. You're just rocking out, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you're just in Ovid mm-hmm. and you decide, you know what? I just I don't do what I want to do in this mm-hmm. person's gate. I don't care what it, look, what yeah. it looks like to the outsiders. Yeah. So, on the other hand, I think people are overlooking... Well, it's not good to say something's decadent. Yeah, it's self-indulgent, but you should just say self-indulgent. If you say decadent, that means you're referring to a whole can of worms as mm-hmm. far as like the decline of civilization and mm-hmm. shit. That seems a little much. Yep. Right, okay. So this is the game. You have to guess the price on this dessert. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint. Uh, it is more, well, I'm not going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you unlimited hint. guesses, though. Okay. Okay. It's Serendipity 3's Golden Opulence Sunday. Okay. It's uh costs a stupid amount of money. Yeah. All right, this is what it is. It features creme de la creme ice cream, mm-hmm. chocolate syrup, adorned with candied fruits, mm-hmm. gold-covered almonds, chocolate truffles, and marzipan cherries. There is a edible 23-carat gold leaf and tiny flakes of gold on top. You have to order it two days in advance. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my okay. God! Put a dollar man, amount on this. Wait, 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 wait! I don't understand. Is the gold? I mean, it's edible gold, but like, yeah. So it's not real gold. It's real gold. It's real twenty-three karat gold leaf that's edible. I've heard of the, actually this before. You can eat gold if it's prepared in the right way. Seriously? Yeah, I swear to God. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what kind of stupid money do you have to have? Yeah. To be like, guys, this article uses that word "stupid." I, I believe it, right? I. What, I mean, what kind? And, and there, I didn't mean like, I meant like just an re- absurd amount, right? Yeah. But like, what? Okay, all right, hold on. $53. Okay, you're going to have six guesses. Yeah. After everyone, I'm going to say higher or lower. Okay. That is much higher. Much, so much higher. Okay, much higher. Yeah. Okay. I, I also don't know the price of gold, clearly, right? I'm not, I don't either. I, I'm not good at that. I love gold. Um, I love girl. <laughs> Twice. Mm. Um, $31. So much higher. Like, way, 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 way higher. Than 31. Way higher. Wait, wait, wait. Is it higher than 53? 
Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. I thought you said that. the first one you said was fifty three, right? Yeah, yeah. So you get you you didn't use up your second guess. Okay, okay. I mean, the answer is way higher than fifty. Oh, okay, way four hundred and seventy four dollars. Way higher. You're on your third guess. What? Way higher. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Oh my god. Nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. It's a thousand dollars that counts. I'll count that. Okay, all right. It's a thousand dollars. Yeah. What? Yeah. To eat this? Yeah. You to don't even have to eat it. You could just look at it. But but it, it melts. It's Sunday. It's like ice cream. Yeah. It's ice cream. Mm-hmm, yeah. With gold. Yeah, I guess you're right. So like, if you leave it alone in a yeah, warm it place, it's gonna your thousand dollars is gonna turn into a pool. Dude, that's a grand. Yeah. That's a grand. Mm-hmm. You're gonna order like two days in advance. That's smart too, because they're like, listen. We, you're gonna have to think about this. You got two days after you order this to make sure you want to eat it, because you you gotta order it in advance for two well, they days. They gotta make it, man. Like think about <laughs> they gotta procure the gold. They need the blood diamonds. Oh my god, <laughs> fuck! All right, keep going, keep going. That's it. That's all I got. That's the only one you have. <laughs> There's other ones that are good, but they they don't give the prices and like they're not. They just sound good. I don't know. That's rough, man. That was a, that was a that was a really good yet shitty game. Mm. That's how most of our games are, though. That's true. What, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your most decadent dessert that you can think of? I'm not. I'm not, not huge that, on though. desserts. I'm not huge on desserts. What's the but most I decadent feel like, food? I feel like that is the definition of decadent, right? Yeah. Like just over the top, yeah. right? Super over. The um. Jeez, <laughs> over the top. Um. You know, the so my daughter's mother, um, was describing like a dream. Of dessert that she wanted, right? Yeah. And I'm not that into sweets. I'm more of a savory person, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually don't eat a lot of desserts. Um, but I'm going I'm to talk about a dessert that I ate once, which was very meaningful to me that I still remember. I might tear up. It was okay. pretty good. Okay. But uh, the, the first example would be she described um, uh, the Great Wall of Chocolate from... Uh, what's, what's that? What's the store? Or what's the restaurant? Um, P.F. Chang's. Wow. Great Wall of Chocolate, you get a slice of it. The slice is huge, Max. Mm. The slice is about the size of your face. <laughs> it's a slice of cake. It's huge, right? Jesus. It's huge. It's decadent Christ. itself. But she talked about ordering a whole cake of it. No. And, and this is the other part. This is the other Shit. part. Like this is the adaptation. It's not only the eating of the whole cake, and then Dang. you're like, "I'm gonna split this <laughs> no. with my 25 no. favorite people." Right? <laughs> she was like, "And I'm gonna eat it all mm-hmm. in one sitting." Oh my god! I was like, first of all, I don't know if you can do that. No, Second no, of all, no, no. that's decadence, right? Yeah. It's like I'm gonna take this thing, and each slice is you know ten bucks or so. I mean, it's the gotta cake's be, gotta be dense. Cake's gotta be. Like a hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah. You know, like give me ten slices and a cake. Maybe, maybe there's less, but like, mm-hmm. there's got it's got to be expensive. So I mean, then maybe that's the sort of thing where it sounds nice in your mind, yes. And then when you try to do it, you can't do it. I think I can't even eat more than one donut in the same. Yeah, I know, right? I think that's the same with that weird ice cream thing. Yeah. I think the second thing mm-hmm. is for me, decadent dessert would be this peach cobbler I had yeah. at a place called Matthews. Italian place. Did Matthew make the cobbler? Listen, I want to explain this cobbler to you. It tasted like childhood, (laughs) happiness, and laughter. Oh, Oh, wow. I'm not even lying. Like, I ate this and I cried. (laughs) 
I cried while eating this. This is Chicago? Literally, no, it's here. It's oh, in New what? Jersey. It's a place in New Jersey. It's called Matthew's. Can we go to it? You. We can go to it. I don't know if it's going to have the peach cobbler. Got it's got it. good food. Do you need to get in a time machine to get it? Because it sounds like it's like... It might have been a one-time thing. Right? Listen, I, I, think I, I think it was just a mixture of where mm-hmm. I was in my life mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. How much I wanted that peach cobbler. Mm-hmm. And how full I was from other things. Yeah. Made me cry. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a pain <laughs> to cry or whatever, but I cried. I didn't, like, weep, but, I like, there were tears yeah. rolling down my face. Yeah, right, right. I mean, this is just, that it's was nice, decadence. Man. I mean, that, it wasn't that expensive. It's really right? good. But, I mean, that's decadence to me. Holy crap. I mean, that's the positive side of decadence, you know, like, the, the, the good side. Oh. Tense. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got a decadence to serve uh, your life. You know what? I couldn't even really think of what you know what? I really like soft serve vanilla ice cream. You just get that at a place. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it always comes from a machine, so mm-hmm. it's I think it's hard to mess up. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. Yeah. You know what you could do? What you if you really want to get self indulgent? Yeah. Get it, and you're like, you know what? Dip that shit in some chocolate stuff, and then they do. It's got like candy shell. You know what's weird? I didn't always have a sweet tooth. Like when I was a kid, yeah. I didn't really like candy either. Like other kids are like. Dropping like nerds or eating like candy, all this mm-hmm. stuff, jawbreakers and stuff. You know, like kids are just like, rawr, rawr, rawr. they just love it. I was like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. But like ever since like a couple years ago, I'm like, it started with like cookies and shit. You know, <laughs> remember when we went to Jankarelli's? Yeah, yep. I started getting like my eyes started to pop out of my head. Mm-hmm. It started to get like heart palpitations. Know, it's oh, it's nice. It was but ever since then, it's like, Mm-mm, you know, yeah, more. Yeah, sure. But yeah, man, I think uh, I think this is this is about the end. Yeah, you know? I. I appreciate it. This was a decadent episode. Yeah, it's, we, we've, it's been, we've been declining for about an hour and eight we, minutes. We have been, uh, but also in the pot on the mm. on the kind of contemporary definition, mm. we've kind of been overboard a little bit. Yeah, we, yeah. we digressed quite a bit. We a few times. It, yeah, um, but that's okay. We digressed that's a lot. Okay. Um, so I just want to mention mm-hmm. real fast, mm-hmm. we are now on Google Play. Ooh. If that is the place that you or your friends the get your podcasts, <laughs> we are now available on Google Play, Words mm-hmm. for Dinner, mm-hmm. right? We're also still available on iTunes, mm-hmm. Stitcher, mm-hmm. and the Podbean website, right? If you guys can, if you guys got a minute... If you like this episode, if you didn't like this episode, if it was a little too sweet for your sweet tooth, mm-hmm. if it was just a little too bitter mm-hmm. for you, uh, please leave us a rating mm-hmm. uh, or a comment. Right, take the minute to do it. iTunes is very simple; you just leave a rating. I think you can. You don't necessarily even have to write something for that. You could um, even like if you want to get really decadent, you could mm-hmm. just lick the screen. I yeah. think that usually they can understand well, that. I was gonna say I think that if you want to get decadent, you can give us ratings on all Woo! four of those. Oh, sites. baby! Uh, no, but uh, Stitcher, I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't use Stitcher, so I don't know how you easy it is get in there to rate fine. people. You just search um, for us. But Podbean and and Google Play and iTunes, I know, are all or pretty simple. They can email us, right? Yes, they can, right? And so this is the next thing I was gonna say. Which is, you can also contact us. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a Twitter account. If you dare. We have a Twitter account. Twitter. Uh, which is Words for Dinner. Uh, so we're at Words, the number four, Dinner. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Uh, or you can email us at WFD Podcast 
at gmail.com. Let us know mm-hmm. how we're doing. Mm-hmm. Let us know uh, you got suggestions for words. Clearly, we listen to that. If you're offended. Um, if you're offended. Tell us. We yeah. love that. Uh, I have yet to hear from people who actually should be offended by no, episodes yeah, we've done. I, I mean, think because they immediately that. start to cry and turn us off. I mean, clearly we're not as uh, <laughs> socially... Socially prevalent as I thought we'd be by now, because <laughs> right. I really thought that Ray Comfort would be like all over us for that awesome episode. He would be like just I just calling thought, in the troops. I thought he'd be like, "Why do you got to talk about the banana incident again?" He might. Be. And if you don't, if you don't know about that, go back and listen to it. It's an it's intense. Maybe he feels uncomfortable. I mean, the banana incident is pretty messed up. Yeah. Google that Ray Comfort banana. It's real fucking weird. <laughs> uh, Show notes. It's intense. We've got to start doing some show notes. Yeah, I know. we got to do that stuff. Um, but yeah, so yeah. you want to you wanna tell us what this episode was brought to you by, yeah. Maxwell? This episode was brought to you by um, incorrect history books. Um, mm. Man, stop messing up stuff for the rest of us. Nice. Nice. That's good. That's good. Uh, this episode was also brought to you by just books. Mm. You can read them. Mm. And in fact, that's the best way to use them. Mm-hmm. You can also in a pinch. In a pinch, yeah, they can make a they can make a nice little fire can. Yeah, and you got a trash can that's metal in your in your room in your room. <laughs> you're sitting there your, with your, your shabby bed. trench coat and your yeah. fingerless gloves, and you're like, yeah. oh, oh man, shouldn't have skipped work to listen to that podcast today. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, and you're like trying to like, mm-hmm. warm your hands. yeah, warm yourself up in a pinch. In a but pinch. clearly. Use uh, the the bad books first. Yeah, actually, uh, the thicker my, ones. My bed, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But my bed, like you know, there's slats underneath a bed. Yeah, there's some wooden ones. One is a little bit splintered because my fat ass, right, just splintered it. So like, I uh, actually like propped it up with a stack of books I haven't read in a while, and it worked just fine. Nice. So on that note, we thought we'd end this a somewhat of a downer of an episode with a positive note. Things are gonna be okay, guys. <laughs> These are going to be okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you later. Later. Bye-bye. Face before, yeah, of course. She's a human, and it's what's her reaction with that? She does she not like it. No, no, um, that's not true. I've she done called that. you out of that. Uh, no, but she the other day she is sitting in the car, oh, no. just like farting. She's staring at me. I came back seat. I'm like, you are you going to the bathroom? You know, she's. Potty training, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're going to the bathroom, right? I'm, and I'm like, thinking, immediately like, oh, in my head, fuck no. I'm like, I got to clean up poop yeah. now, yeah. right? She's like, no. And I was like, are you are sure? You sure. Because it's it sound- so- Oh, man. It, it was like you're dumping your pen. <laughs> just spit everywhere, but it felt like that, yeah. It's, it was a good description. Dude, it was, it was pretty disgusting. And I was like, what was that? She goes, I tooted. And, uh, and her mother wants her to say toot. toot. And not fart. Okay. Right? So I teach, I taught her fart. Sure, yeah. You know, mother that's wants nice. her to say toot. Yeah, that's good. She goes, I tooted. And I was like, okay. good job. And yeah. then she just laughed hysterically. She just blocked she it. Just, she just went she, nuts. She didn't lose it, but she just went, <laughs> oh, 